the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us at the show by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Ollie Wright. I write the Derby County blog. Uh, we're at Derby County blog on Twitter, and I'm not very happy today. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name's Thomas. Uh, I write for uh, wallsblog.com. I'm very happy today, and uh, yeah, looking forward to having a chat. I'm Scott, I write for wearebrighton.com, which means I'm a Brighton fan, and I am very, very happy today. Yeah, and I'm obviously not happy after Newcastle lost to Huddersfield, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us today, guys. And uh, we'll just start with making the rounds where each of us will have a few minutes to discuss what's been going on at our clubs recently. Uh, Ollie, we'll start with you. Obviously a disappointing loss against Barnsley this weekend. Um, how are you feeling about Derby County this season, and what are your thoughts about yesterday's game? Well, yeah... Um... Obviously, yesterday we were very poor. Um, I think throughout the 90, we probably had one one decent spell towards the end of the first half where we sort of started to look like we might be starting to click. Uh, other than that, um, very, very disappointed. I mean, we, we sort of went in at 1-0 down and then we conceded right after the, the interval, which kind of, and that just seemed to, that sort of gave Barnsley the cushion they needed to just sit in and just defend what they've got. And we couldn't break them down. Um, and it's, it's not new, you know, for teams playing Derby to, to sit in and play us on the counter, um, even if they're at home. We're, we're quite used to that now. Um, but I'm certainly used to us showing a lot more invention than that. Um, so it, it feels like, it felt like a real step backwards. Um, one of the um, main talking points for Derby fans this season has been the fact that Pearson has um, changed the starting formation. So, um uh, obviously, as a Newcastle fan, Jake, you probably won't have been watching the championship too much, but um, the other guys will know that Derby have played uh, almost every single game of 4-3-3 for like the last three seasons now, with Chris Martin as the point of the attack. And uh, Pearson's come straight in and changed that to a uh, more of a sort of 4-4-1-1 sort of shape with Darren Bent up front, Tom Ince playing behind him, um, and then Nick Blackman playing on the wing. Um and I guess Pearson's argument would be that it's, you know, we've done reasonably well in the last few years, but it hasn't worked in terms of the, the goals promotion. So we haven't got over the line. Uh, we've fallen short in each of those three seasons. So perhaps it's time to change it a little bit. Uh, and maybe also just, you know, kind of putting a, put in the, the, you know, the word out to Martin and one or two other players that they're not guaranteed a place. You know, we might play a different way. Um so, yeah, so very disappointing um, on Saturday. Uh, the first game of the season, we played Brighton. Um, I'm sure that uh, Scott will have a few words to say about that game as well. I thought we played reasonably well. It was um, the opening for an opening, opening day uh, to play Brighton was a really tough, tough assignment, I thought. So I was pleased that we, uh, we, we sort of gave a reasonable account of ourselves and, and got a point. Um, but, yeah, I mean... A few concerns. Um, I mean, the main concern, I suppose, is that we've played three games and only scored one goal, um, which is, you know, given that we've been one of the uh, championship's top scorers for the last three seasons, uh, that's that's a sort of bit of a worry. But it's, it's far too early to to, to panic. Um, it's just it's just that there's a lot, obviously, a lot to work on and improve. Yeah, you touched on Nigel Pearson there. When he was appointed, I did think it was a bit of a weird one because I didn't think the squad at Derby suited him as a manager. So I know I know it's completely uh, it's very early in the season, but do you think yeah. that that's maybe that might be a problem going forward and that he might not be able to get the best out of this squad? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people 
um, a lot of Derby fans were absolutely elated when we appointed Pearson, and they sort of perceived him as a kind of the kind of uh, a sort of tough operator who would, you know, uh, one guy said crack heads, so just quite a quite a sort of almost like a violent analogy, but like you know. Um, the idea being that he would sort them out, so to speak, and, and you know get them playing and make sure they were disciplined and and, and that sort of thing. Um, he you know he comes at he comes at football maybe from a very different angle than someone like Steve McLaren did, uh, who was more you know the McLaren sort of it was the McLaren template that that we've been using and, and obviously now Pearson's completely shifted away from that. So. It, yeah, it remains to be seen. He's not made any signings yet. He's he's been reasonably complimentary in what he said about the current uh, squad. Um, he feels like they're a, a, you know a talented a talented bunch of players, which they undoubtedly are. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to take a while. Um, I I would be shocked if Chris Martin didn't start again on on Tuesday, uh, given that you know we've we've sort of struggled to string much together in terms of creating uh, clear cut chances. Yeah, he is. He is a very different sort of manager than than uh, either McLaren was or Paul Clement was. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna have to affect change. He might need to let one or two go. He might need to recruit a couple. Um, but he's taking his time over that. He's not he's not rushed in and sort of gone right. You know, we I'm going to bring in my own players straight away. He's he's given the guys that we've got here already the opportunity uh, to see if they can play his way. Um, I'm yeah. It's I'm going to be. I quite liked the 4-3-3 shape personally and I like uh, playing with a sort of controlling holding midfielder um, especially when we have George Thorne fit um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, when George is back because he was a real sort of he was almost like designed for that that's formation and, and without that holding player you can be quite um, you can get counter-attack quite easily I find it I, I think um, whereas with the 4-3-3 we had a bit more solidity uh, so yeah, it's a little bit too early to to make snap judgments, but um, there's a lot. He's got a lot to. Well, he could really use a win on on Tuesday. Put it that way. I just wanted to ask you, Ollie, what you thought about um, Chris Martin possibly coming to Wolves. We had a bid knocked back in the week, and there's quite a lot of talk that we're going to be going back in for him. Oh, what, really? What, yeah. Oh, what, really? Is that right? Yeah. What do you? Because we apparently bid somewhere between five and six million last week, depending on what you who you believe, um, and we might be going as high as eight million to try and get him. Right. Um, so I just wondered, a what if you think he's worth that kind of money, and also what would be your reaction if you know you turn on the TV and he's holding a wall shirt in a week or two? I don't think it'll happen, to be honest, mate. Um, I don't see us selling um, simply because um, it's perfectly possible that Wolves. I mean, Wolves obviously didn't have a great season last year but uh with all the craziness that's going on there with mendez and 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 everything um it's perfectly conceivable that you know with the right additions and obviously if there there is money to spend there that they could become um a rival and i don't see us wanting to strengthen a rival Uh, also we i think we need him i think you know his his goal record in the three seasons has been very very good um even if uh, you know, Pearson decided he, he wanted to start with, uh, and um, we still, we still, you know, you, you still need a, a good range of, of strikers and different types of strikers. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose there's an argument that if you know, if Wolves came in with a with a crazy bid, then you pocket it and you reinvest, and you know, eight million is a crazy bid, isn't it? If we if we bid eight million, that wouldn't that be crazy money? No, 
No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, Bristol City were talking about wanting 10 million for your man, their top striker. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's proven. Absolutely proven. I mean, Ross McCormack, how much did Ross McCormack just go for? Was it 14? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, you know, he, he's a proven goal scorer at this level. So, so, you'd, so you'd be gutted if he left, basically. You would, if it let's say it did happen, you'd be upset. I'd be, I would, I wouldn't be happy if he was transferred out for eight million pounds, and I don't think it will happen. But you know, stick the bid in, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you rate, but you rate him. You personally rate him as a player. Yes. Yeah. I rate him. I rate him reasonably highly. I don't know if he would make the step up to the Premier League because I think he lacks pace. Yeah. Um, but at the Championship level, he's extremely. He's proven to be extremely effective. Um, mm. I really. I like his technique. Um, he's he's a he's a great kind of back to goal, uh, laying in players sort of on rushing past him, flicking it on. Kind of he's he's got really good skill. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I think he's a. I think he's a top player. I like. I like his ability to win free kicks uh, when he's blatantly just been touched. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he's got um, he's got a lot. He's got a lot to offer, and I don't think we'll say. No, well, he always scores against walls, so I hope we buy him. <laughs> so uh... yeah, yeah. And uh, Scott, we'll just move on to Brighton now. Uh, obviously, you came very close to promotion last year, and you got a good win on Friday night over Nottingham Forest. Uh, just talk us through your thoughts on uh, Brighton this season. Do you think they're going to be up there again? I think it's going to be a lot more difficult this year. I mean, looking at it, you'd expect Newcastle to be up there. I know it's not been a great start, but they should be up there by the end of the season. The team's coming down. Norwich have just basically got the same squad, so they'll be well organised. They're always good at this level. And we've lost a little bit of that surprise element. I mean, last season, if you asked a Brighton fan and they said, oh, we'll you know, be, what, two goals away from automatic promotion, you would have thought, Christ, I need sectioning because we were so bad the season before. So, yeah, we've lost that little surprise element. But, I mean, we started very well. Friday night was superb and as long as we don't sell anyone, especially uh, Anthony Knockhart. I mean, if he goes, we might be in a bit of trouble. We should be there or thereabouts again. It's been a very good start. Yeah, do you think, um, are you happy with your squad now as it stands? Because obviously you've got uh, Glenn Murray uh, coming in and Knockhart looks like he's staying, might even be signing a new contract. Do you think that your squad's now uh, done for the summer or do you think you need any new additions? I think we could do with a centre-back because at the minute we're having to play Bruno there and he is a right-back which, although he's done very well at Derby and he did um, very well on Friday night, that is a potential disaster waiting to happen. But other than that, if we stick with what we've got, I think the important thing is not to sell and that's what the club have learnt their lessons before because whenever we've got in a sort of position to push towards the playoffs, we've then gone and sold the family silver and bought in second-rate replacements, which explains why it all went wrong a few seasons ago. But this time they've turned down bids for... uh, Dale Stevens, obviously the the knockout bid from Newcastle was rejected. So hopefully, just keep everyone together, and it could be a very good year. And uh, Thomas, we'll just move on to you now. Uh, a lot has a lot has changed at Wolves this summer. Obviously, new owners, new manager, a lot of new players. Uh, what are your uh, views on what has been happening? And are you confident for the season? Well, it's uh, <laughs> that's a difficult question to answer. If I'm being entirely honest, it's completely obviously bonkers. We went through the whole summer, nothing happening. You thought, is this real? Because we ended last season with a, a completely ripped apart squad, boring the pants off everyone. Nothing was happening, nothing was happening. All of a sudden, overnight, we're bought out by this 
billionaire Chinese conglomerate. Um, the manager's gone, the chairman, the CEO, they wiped out the whole backroom. Um, they've started bringing in players from Benfica. We're linked with every player under the sun. We appoint Walter Zenga, which is probably the most left field management recruitment you'll see <laughs> this season or any of the next seasons in the championship. And yeah, it's just gone completely bonkers. I think what's been quite good the last few weeks is things have settled down a bit since the football's actually started. And um, and, and the results have actually been have been pretty good. We were 2-0 down um, away at Rotherham after about 25 minutes. I was there and I was, you know, head in hands. Oh, what's going on here? This is going to be disastrous. We've got, you know, dodgy owners and uh, dodgy manager and it's it's just going to be back to like it was when we had Sol back and as manager and we're going to be down the bottom and struggling. But then, you know, like a light switch and we got back to two all and we should have won that game. And then we won in the League Cup and then we, we beat Reading without breaking sweat yesterday. And, um, and the new players that have come in, um, we've had... Uh, Bod Varson, Icelandic forward, who was part of the the team that beat England in the Euros, and he looks an absolute top quality Championship centre forward, big and strong, kind of how Ollie was talking about Chris Martin, uh, purpose built for the Championship. He scored at Rotherham, and he looks a, you know a brilliant acquisition. We've had Tech Shearer um, signed from Benfica on loan for the season, and apparently a lot of Benfica fans are surprised that we've been able to get him. Um, he looks a, a wonderful technician, and we're we're continually linked with um, with a, with a lots of other players. We've got money to spend. You know that 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 bid did go in for Chris Martin. That's not um, that's not paper talk. That actually did happen. So I think these guys are serious about spending money um, and adding to the team, and, and we do need that because we've regressed badly over the last year and a half. Um, but every result between now and the end of August, I kind of see as a bonus because I'm just hoping that we'll get these three to four new bodies in that will will supplement what we have and and turn us in from mid-table, you know, plodders up to hopefully challenging the top six. But it's um, it's a tough league, so I have absolutely no expectations about what or might not happen. If I'm being honest. Yeah, when it when I heard about the news of the takeover, I, I looked into the company that bought them, and I thought that um, maybe it would uh, it was a bit too late in the day for them to challenge for promotion this season, where it was it it happens so late, and it it takes a long time to get players adjusted to a system and to get mm. them into the club. But obviously, a good start shows that that might not be the case. Do you have any concerns about uh, Jorge Mendes's role at the club because he's he's apparently had uh, quite um, influential over transfers and things? Yeah, well, I mean. It... I don't know really because it could be brilliant and it could be awful because part of me, the first, when we signed these, we got these three players from Benfica and they're all playing for, they've all been playing for Benfica B and it kind of felt like they're George Mendes' clients and he was just looking for somewhere to park them and you were thinking this has got disaster in all over it. Um, but actually they look like good players so that changes your perspective on it immediately and when they're playing well, you think, actually, we've got access to players that probably a lot of championship teams might not actually be able to get. Um, and that's quite good. And we're, we're linked with a player, Taliska, who has been in the Benfica first team. Um, and he's looking for a move to England. And there's rumours that, that that might be happening before the end of the transfer window. He's a player Liverpool and Chelsea wanted, um, to put it into context. There seems to be a lot of heat around that story, like it might happen. So it's quite exciting to think that 
being linked with someone like Mendes, um, if we get the benefits, then that could be very exciting. So at the moment, I'd say I'm leaning more towards being excited than worried. But again, you've just got to see what actually pans out. But the but the, certainly the players that have come in, uh, Bodvarsson up front and um, Texera and Costa as well, the winger who's only played a few minutes here and there, they all look like decent players. And we've got a lot of workhorses in our team um, from last season. And what we needed was a, a few better technicians and attacking players. And I think we've got them now. So, um, so yeah, so I, I'm feeling more optimistic than I was probably two weeks ago. Yeah, the Liska deal was a very interesting one because it looks like it could be up for upwards of £20 million, which would just be crazy for a championship club. Even Newcastle aren't spending that sort of money, so that would be one. That would be a huge deal if it did go through. Um, I'll just touch on Newcastle though, uh, now, even though I'd rather not. See, we've, lost our, we've lost our first two games and it, it's not looking good, um, despite all the pre-season optimism that was, was at the club. Uh, Saturday against Huddersfield, I sort of had a... I was slightly worried about the game because I thought they played counter-attack and they've got a good manager in the Wagner and I thought that they would cause us a lot of problems and they did. It, it, it happened exactly how I feared it would happen. We had most of the ball. I think we had over 58% possession and we just couldn't break them down. It was uh, really, really disappointing. Mohamed Diame came in. He made his debut. He didn't do much. Uh, Shelby came in. He, he again didn't do much. And it, it was just exactly like it was against Fulham. We couldn't break them down. We had to rely on a penalty to get our goal. And even then we missed that to try and make that even harder for ourselves. And then we were pushing on for the winner and they went and got it. So, yeah, it was, it was massively disappointing. And there is just a lot of problems at Newcastle at the moment. Right now, we don't look like promotion contenders. There's too many sort of weak links in our first 11. We have Vernon Anita playing at right wing and he is not a right winger. That is exactly why we. That is exactly why we were going in for knockout earlier in the window because that was a massive. That's a massive gap in our team, and without a, a proper right winger, I think we're going to struggle to break teams down, and that that's been the case. Um, another problem in our team is that Jamal Lasales. We've given him the captaincy, which at the time I was all for, but since then he's made two big mistakes in our first two matches. And the problem with giving him the armband is he is now undroppable, seemingly. So that, that is a problem going forwards because he's a great leader. He's done a lot for the club off the field. But if he's not performing on the pitch, he shouldn't have the captaincy. He should, he should be on the bench. We should give it to someone who, who, who will perform on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, I think we will strengthen still. I think Brendan Galloway is supposed to be coming in at left-back from Everton uh, this week. So that would be good because Paul Dummett is a weak link. Um, We've been linked with Forestieri, who didn't travel to uh, Norwich at the weekend. I don't see that deal happening. I think it's a bit like the knockout deal where they are a promotion rival as well and they won't want to sell to us and there's no need for them to sell. Even if he's refusing to play, they can sort of sort that out. I don't know why I'd want to leave Sheffield Wednesday. He's got a very good thing going on over there. So I, th I think we, I think it's, it's early doors. I think we're getting used to the league, but on Wednesday we need to beat Reading. Otherwise, it's going to be panic stations. And it people and it people might even start turning on Benitez, which is crazy. But the Newcastle fans are quite fickle, and if it's not going well, if we lose our first three games, then it could get to panic stations. But well, I'll just move into the topics for today. Um, I just want to know what your uh, your guys' thoughts are on the competition over the first two weeks. Have any teams surprised you at all, or is it exactly how you expected it to go down? Mm, yeah. Um... I think when you look at the teams, it's still obviously very early, but you look at the teams who've got two wins and you look at the teams who've got two defeats and then you sort of make your conclusions for that. I'm quite surprised um, Bristol City have had a good start. 
then their fixtures have been quite favourable. And I just wonder, they look like a team who are having a go now off the field, bringing in some players. They've got a lad on loan from Chelsea. Um, I think they, they look quite good. But I think Wolves have sampled some of the, the lesser teams I, who I think might have a poor season. I don't think Rotherham are very good. Um, they somehow got 2-0 up against us after a quick start, but they, you know, that was a headed goal from a set piece and a, a long ranger. And they, they looked poor as the game went on for me. I think they'll be at the bottom, uh, which isn't obviously a surprise, but I, I think they'll they'll struggle. They got tonked by Villa yesterday. Um, and then Re- Reading yesterday, I mean, Reading were very poor. And I've just got, I look at Reading and how they tried to play yesterday at Molyneux, play out from the back. And they obviously, they patently don't have the players to do that. And it just reminds me of when Wolves got Stolisol backing in and uh, they tried to play that way and it just didn't work ended in disaster so um yeah so i think i think down the bottom i'm ex- i think it'll be the teams you think i think it'll be burton and rotherham um i think all both of those teams will struggle um and at the top i still think it'll be the usual suspects but then maybe bristol city i i think could be a dark horse i really think huddersfield could have a a very surprising season we played them at the end of last well, not really the end of last season. I think it was like February time at the Amex. And you could tell what the new manager was trying to do. It's like Jurgen Klopp light a bit, you know, mm. pressing all the time, get the ball back. And bearing in mind, he'd come in and he was using the old players for that. They still looked pretty good. And he had a summer to bring in his own men, sort himself out, get him used to the way he wants to play. And they've obviously made a, a flying start to things. Yeah, they have as well. They've got um, they completely overhauled their squad over the summer, haven't they? Yeah, uh, it's. I think they've they've largely gone for sort of German players, which obviously is probably the best way to work that sort of system. Because there's not really any other team in the division who who plays like that. I don't think pressing so high and you know running around like that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the is can they sustain it over a season though? That's the kind of thing with a team like that who are playing kind of experimental, experimental yeah. way. They tend to fade because, I mean, Wolves, as I keep going back to when we had Solbach and his manager, he tried to play a sort of continental way um, and it worked in the early months and then we petered out and then we couldn't get a result for the rest of the season. We got relegated. So I I completely agree that they look they look a good outfit right now, but um, I just wonder whether they'll be able to sustain what they're doing. But yeah, definitely want to keep an eye on. I do think that you're, you're quite right as well about Bristol City, because remember when they came up, they were trying to chuck money at it, spend loads of money, but obviously players from the top end of the championship don't really want to drop down to a newly promoted team because you just never know how it's going to go. Whereas now they've got a season under their belts, they've sort of sorted themselves out once Cottrell went, and uh, it's obviously a club on the up with all the redevelopment going on there as well, so they might be another one of the uh, the old dark horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, what I've noticed about the division over the first few weeks is that there's so many different styles in the league, uh, which wasn't the case when we were in the league uh, six or seven years ago. You've got, you know, Wagner at Huddersfield, who plays the sort of Jurgen Klopp type of football. You've got Mick McCarthy, who is just a traditional championship manager. You know exactly what you're going to get when you play Ipswich. And then you've got sort of like managers who've managed at the very top, sort of like Benitez and Di Matteo, and they're going to bring sort of a Premier League sort of style to, to the league. And I think we found that out in the early 
couple of games that the Premier League style that we're playing is what we be, what we were playing when we were trying to avoid relegation in the Premier League. So now we're expected to win games. It's not working in the Championship. We just can't break those teams down. And I think it, the different styles sort of make the Championship so interesting this year. And it's something I didn't really haven't really realised over the last few years. That's maybe because I wasn't in the league and I wasn't really watching following it as closely. Um, I think the good points of Bristol City and Huddersfield. I think they're two teams that could be in the running for a playoff spot. It's, it's, it's very early, but Bristol City have made some good signings. They've got Tomlin, um, Tammy Abraham, who they've got on loan from Chelsea, looks a very good player. And I just like the recruitment they're doing. And I think Lee Johnson is a manager on the up. And he's somebody who could go sort of like uh, become the next Eddie Howe, sort of going up into the Premier League and sort of overachieving. I think he's sort of in that... Um, Sort of at that standard, he's a very exciting coach. So I think they could surprise a few this season. Uh, Ollie, do you have any views on the the competition this season? Has, has anyone surprised you? Are you confident about Derby? Uh, you know, finishing the top yeah. six. Um, I thought, yeah, really like. Uh, I thought your guys' analysis was really good. Um, just I, um, there's a few points I probably would make. Um, no one mentioned Villa, um, or I don't think so. Um, a lot of people in the sort of pre- pre-season, obviously, was sort of you know taking the mickey out of Villa really, because it, it, where it turned out for them last season. And a lot of people were saying to me anyway, oh, you know, they, they could even go down again. But I, I don't see that at all. I, mean, I think that's the, the parachute payment system is kind of partly set up to prevent things like that from happening anyway. Um, and since they sort of brought in Chester as, as well as the, uh, the other centre-back as well from uh, Bournemouth, so they've they've sort of they've they've not fallen into what I call the Fulham trap of of just spending a load of money on Ross McCormack but forgetting to buy any defenders. Um, well, they bought Ross McCormack but then they also bought <laughs> some defenders as well. So they, you know, I think they'll be okay. Um, um, on the on, so they they could you know uh, although people were telling me they thought they'd, they'd be struggling, I think they'll probably be be towards the top where they sh- should be on you know on their economic kind of. Uh, status and then on the other end obviously Blackburn have, have um, been pretty far yeah. so far um, I think I think I mean I, was, I did a pre-season sort of uh, predictions post I'm sure you guys probably did the same and uh, I predicted they struggle but um, I mean wow I mean you know I mean at this rate he's going to he's going to be sat before the end of the window isn't he rather than you know they normally say oh he'll be sat by Christmas but I don't, I don't even know if he's going to make it until September at this rate so, um, so that, they they look like they're um, really struggling. Yeah, I think that's, that's some good points on Villa. I think the only problem I have with Villa is their new owner. I think he could be a potential sort of like destructive influence. He seems to be getting too involved, yeah. criticising the players on social media and things. I think that that could go south very quickly, uh, as we've seen in the past with uh, owners like Chilino and things. I think he could yeah. have a destructive influence. But it's yeah. a good point. They have they have recruited very well, and they've they've been linked with Abel Hernandez from Hull. And if they manage to get him in as well, they'd have a very good strike force. They've got Tommy Alphick at the back, like you said, with Chester. They've, they've got a very good team, so I think they're definitely going to be one that is up there. There's um, owners. Owners seem to be getting more and more uh, colourful, shall we say, as in 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 the modern game. And uh, Doctor Gia is a is a fine addition to the list of uh, of uh, uh, interesting Championship owners. Um, there's some of the, some of the owners seem to like the they seem to really enjoy the attention of being the you know, the status of being the owner of a football club. But I think, I mean. Uh, I've, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to take the mickey out of Forest too much, but um, their <laughs> owner, um, really, I don't. Uh, their owner, Fawaz Al Hasawi, um, has kind of he sort of when he came in, uh, he, he got really into the Twitter, uh, and I think that it's almost like that's a, you know, 
that's a bit of a sort of uh, it's going down the rabbit hole, isn't it? When you start, um, you know, discussing everything you're doing at the club with with any of the fans who happen to be on Twitter um, at whatever time of day and no, no matter how many drinks they might have taken. And, you know, so, um, yeah, um, an hour owner, you know, had a uh, made a well, what was generally seen as a quite a strange decision last season to uh, to fire Paul Clement within six months of hiring him. And, you know, he was the the next, you know, the coming man or so everybody thought, and then he was gone within six months. So, uh, yeah, well, the championships, um, it's got lots of subplots, you know, and some of the guys who, who, who own the clubs, the custodians of the clubs are, are, are very interesting characters. Um, just on Forestieri, if I can say, because um, I, know, I know you said that you didn't think he'd, he'd move. Um, I think he will. I think he'll probably join Newcastle, but I might be wrong. I mean, I just that probably... Probably the the money that he 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 perceives will be on offer at Newcastle, I, I would imagine, would be would be much better than what he's on now. And it, it just seems like he's he's decided that that he wants to chase the money. Um, and and I think Newcastle would be wise to take him. He did very very well last season. I think the way he's behaved is appalling. Um, but money talks these days, and it's obvious that he's decided that the money that he probably would be able to get if he joined Newcastle is is tempting enough. That he's decided to to uh, to down tools, it's shocking. Uh, but New- I'm sure Newcastle will take him, and I'm sure that he will do very well there. Um, and I don't I don't see a, you know I don't really see a way back for him at Wednesday. And I don't I don't I don't think the fans would be terribly pleased to see him trotting out again after he's uh, behaved in the way he's behaved. I just don't see a way back for for him at Sheffield Wednesday, and that's the situation that he's engineered for himself. So uh, player power, isn't it? And uh, it's it's not very impressive, but uh, you know that's uh, that's the way of the the way of the world these days. It would appear. Yeah, um, it, I I don't think he's going to move personally. I think Sheffield Wednesday are going to dig their heels in and sort of keep him at the club, which is going to be you know interesting to see how they manage to do that because obviously it, it could be a problem going forwards. Um, because it could have a negative effect on the rest of the squad. I think we're seeing that at Newcastle at the moment with uh, Musa Sissoko. Uh, so he was getting uh, booed at the game yesterday. Uh, he was in the stands and there was a chance being directed at him. And it's not a healthy atmosphere to have. So we see how Wednesday deal with that. Uh, the Newcastle interest in itself, I'm not sure how concrete it is. Uh, there's a lot of sort of Sheffield journalists uh, tweeting about 12 million bids, but we haven't decided whether to take him or not yet. We're, you know, you don't know who to believe in the transfer window. What is going on? But if if he is, if Newcastle are interested, I can definitely see why he um wants to move because obviously the money. And although we started badly, we're going to be in the promotion picture uh, come the end of the season. I'd imagine I can't see us finishing out the top six, uh, six at least. So, you know, I can see why he'd want the move for new for Newcastle uh, as a team. I don't know where exactly he'd fit in because we've got um. We've we've got a lot of small strikers at the moment, and I think our problem at the moment is we've got a lot of uh, small attackers, and we're playing long ball, and we're trying to get in behind defenses. But um, we need to go into the market for a, a target man, sort of striker to cover for when Alexander Mitrovic is out, which is probably going to be often because he gets sent off all the time, and he's currently uh, sort of out because of a four match suspension. So we need a, sort of a taller striker. But if we do get Forestieri, I know I'd take it. He's, he's he'd guarantee goals. He's a very good player. So that is def- def- definitely one that I'd want to happen, but I'm not as convinced as you that it's, it's definitely that he's definitely going to come to Newcastle. I'm not that convinced yet. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Moving on to player watch for today. Uh, obviously, we all had a fixture at the weekend. Which player impressed you most in your recent fixture and who disappointed? We'll start with you, Thomas, and uh, Wolves game against uh, Reading. Who, who impressed and who disappointed? Well, uh, the two players who impressed the two I, I touched upon earlier were Bod Varson, the big forward up front, um, you know, looks a really good player, holds the ball up, lays in others, but also capable of turning and running in behind as well. I was talking to my dad about him while watching the game and my dad's very dry. And he was like, well, yeah, he's, uh, he's a target man with a bit of pace. And I was like, well, that's pretty good. You know, if you can combine those two things in the championship, you, you've got a good player. Um, so I'm very impressed with him. And then I'll pick another one in Tech Shearer who played in just behind him and he was just slipping in passes and just adding that bit of quality that just that, you know, makes a player stand out in the championship. He looked a great player. Who disappointed? I, I honestly, from yesterday's performance, I can't pick any Wolves player out because we were pretty, pretty dominant, and front to back we were we, we were on top the whole game. So um, I can't really stand out pick anyone. We've got Joe Mason up front, the guy we signed from Cardiff last year. He scored, but he did waste a couple of really guilt edge chances. So I think possibly before the transfer window's out, we need to look at improving our, our options up front so so possibly him but I wouldn't say disappointed because he, he did all right yesterday but we need to be more ruthless in front of goal I think and um so yeah a striker is first order of business yeah we'll just move on to you now Scott uh, which player impressed and which player disappointed in your most recent fixture um Lewis Dunk was very impressive he had to go in goal at the end as well against um Forrest when David Stockdale took a bit of a whack on the knee from his own player. That was a gay town bong. And uh, bear in mind, he's the only fit centre-back we've got, as I touched on a bit earlier. He's uh, had to step up to the plate a bit. And last season, he, he's, he's obviously a very good young player, but last season he was sort of had the odd cock-up well and truly in him. And he'd make maybe one a month, which would cost us a goal. Thankfully, we were reasonably good losses, so it didn't really matter as much. But the way he started the season... When you can see he's another player who we've had clubs sniffing around of uh, West Brom putting a bit of eight million for him. And the way he's going on with the the sort of the English premium you pay for a young English player now, you could easily justify him having a fourteen, fifteen million prize tag in the uh, the crazy market we live in these days. Yeah, you know, Ollie, your game at uh, Barnsley. Did you, did you do you have any thoughts about who who impressed and disappointed? And maybe it was like the opposite of Thomas, where you can think of loads that disappointed and maybe not many that impressed. Uh, yeah, exactly. I uh, when I got your list of questions and it said, uh, you know, I made a little note and basically just said impressed, nobody, disappointed, everybody. It was a team. It was a yeah, it was a team failure basically. Um, so I, could, I honestly there wasn't a single player from yesterday that you could pick out and say he played well. Um, unfortunately, it was. Uh, it was a frustrating. It was a sub performance. I mean, you spoke, um, Jake, about um, the way that Newcastle had a lot of the ball but couldn't break, couldn't penetrate Huddersfield, and and you'll find that a lot 
this season, I'm sure. And we've had it in the last couple of seasons. And it was another game like that uh, where we dominated possession. I think we had 62% possession, actually. Um, but it's, it's irrelevant um, because we didn't actually create... Um, more chances than them you know they had a lot less ball but a lot more threat actually on the counter so uh yeah uh, you know you could go through i could bore you rigid going through one to eleven and explaining why i was annoyed with them all but i won't um i was disappointed for will hughes more than anything because um pearson's left him on the bench for the first couple of games of the season and um Sort of championship watchers might be a bit surprised by that because um, obviously Hughes is you know, very highly rated and is regularly linked with a move to massive clubs and we've had to you know allegedly if it's you know if tab- I believe the tabloids sort of fight off interest from from uh, Liverpool um, but uh, yeah he, Pearson's leaving him out and uh, but after eight minutes of of yesterday's game uh, Jeff Hendrick was injured had to come off and Will went on. And uh, so I sort of thought, oh, you know, this is his chance, you know, to really sort of, you know, stamp himself on the game and, you know, show Pearson why it was, you know, the wrong call to leave him out and that really, you know, he should be building the team around Will Hughes, which I think is, I think he should be because I think Hughes is one of the most gifted players. Um, well, it definitely one of the most gifted players in the championship. Um but, you know, it just didn't happen for him. I mean, he, he, he played his usual, you know, lovely looking passes and stuff. But it, somehow, you know, the team, the balance of the team wasn't quite right. Uh, so, yeah, um, I could I could go on. Uh, but but effectively, um, it was a, a shocking sort of it was actually shocking. is not a bad word for it. It was a shocking team performance yesterday. So nobody was impressive. Yeah, you touched on Will Hughes there quite a bit. Um, what, do you have any idea why Nigel Pearson maybe doesn't like him? Because he's a player that's been highly rated for years now. And he, I thought that this year he'd, he'd be sort of like the fulcrum of that Derby midfield. And that hasn't been the case. Do you have any idea why he hasn't really been fancied by Pearson or not? Uh, well, I mean, we've played this 4-3-3 formation. Uh, and Hughes would be one of the two midfielders with licence to go forward. Um, but he's changed it to four, four, a more regimented 4-4 one, one. Um, and he, he obviously, you know, from his Leicester days, and it's not really a surprise. He likes, uh, I think he just like he likes runners more than anything. He's talked a lot about how he likes pace. He wants to get pace into the team, which I think is why he's, he dropped Martin, put Benton instead, uh, and had Ince floating around. Um, so. Uh, yeah, but it worries. It is one thing that worries me because you know, I, you know, it, it might be just me being a you know a daft fan, but I I just think that Hughes is our best player, and 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 that therefore we should you know not make allowances for players because you, you know players who, if players are not in form or they're not performing, then they they do need to be dropped. No one's undroppable, uh, but I think we need to we, when you've got a player that talented, I think you need to give him the the platform to to express himself, and I think I think he's such an important part of our of what makes Darby has what has made Derby good in the last three years, and what's made us actually quite special. And, and I think people of neutrals have quite enjoyed watching us um, when when it's clicked for us. Uh, and without him, and without George Thorne, who's who's a, another really important player for us, I think we've looked we've looked a little bit plain, to be honest. So I am worried about that. Uh, I'm worried about what how Pearson sees um, sees his team shape and, uh, and and why uh, Hughes, Hughes hasn't been picked. He's picked uh, Jeff Hendrick, who obviously had a very good tournament at the Euros uh, for Ireland, did really well and I think caught a lot of people's eye. Uh, so I know he caught Burnley's eye because they they made some 
um, ridiculously low ball offers for him. Uh, Craig Bryson is another midfielder that um, championship people who know the championship will know is a, a very very good performer at championship level. He's um, got bundles of energy um, and he's a you know incredibly hard working and 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 actually also reasonably technically good midfielder as well. So we're kind of blessed with options in midfield, which is another reason why I was a bit surprised that Pearson changed to four four two because we've got so many good central midfielders. It's it, ma- it makes it almost impossible to fit them all in. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, just moving on to the uh, Newcastle game now. It's a pretty similar story to Ollie, if I'm honest. There's not many that impressed in that game. Uh, I guess you could sort of take a few positives as, as you can from any defeat. Um, Dwight Gale got his first goal, which is pleasing because it's, it's always important to get that first goal, especially if you're a striker. So even though he missed the penalties, he got the goal and that's all that matters. And he can sort of take a bit of confidence from that. Uh, Matt Ritchie, he sort of turned the game when he came on. He didn't start the game because he had a slight knock beforehand. And when he came on at half time, it sounded it, it, we just became a lot more threatening it, it, attacking, and we would uh, dominate in the game more. We were creating more uh, sort of guilt edge chances, and that that is what we need to do uh, in the in the next few games. So I think hopefully his knock isn't too serious, and so then he can come straight back into the starting eleven for the next game. Because I think he's going to be a very good player this year. I think he has all the all the quality to do well in the championship. He's done it before with Bournemouth, so I, I think he's part of the solution. Uh, as opposed to us not breaking teams down, he's part of that solution, and he, he's going to be a major part, uh, play, play a major part for us this season. As for disappointed, there's quite a few. Um, Matt Sells, our new goalkeeper, um, I'm not overly convinced by him yet. We've got three other very good goalies at the club in Tim Krul, Carl Darlow, and Rob Elliott, and I think at the moment I'd rather see any of the other three starting purely because they're experienced in, in English football. Uh, they've all played in the championship before. and the, I, I think we need somebody uh, who has that experience, especially at the start. Um, and even more so now, we've had a, a poor sort of couple, a couple of losses to open up the season. So I think I'd quite like a goalkeeper change going forward. I don't know if he'll do it because it, it might damage his confidence a bit, but that's what I would do. Um, Vernon Anita was, was very poor, but he's been played out of position, so you can sort of excuse him for that. Um and our defence, like I touched on it earlier, uh, Jamal LaSalle didn't play very well. He made another mistake. Uh, Paul Dummett, again, didn't look very good. And he's been targeted by Burnley as well. So I'm hoping there's something in that and he, he can sort of be taken away. We can bring in Galloway, as, as has been rumoured, and he can play that role. Because we just look so unbalanced at the moment. Our right wing, we have Daryl Yamat, who likes to go forward. And on the left, we've got Paul Dummett, who can't really do that. And he, his defensively, he's not great either. So I, I don't know what he brings to the team. So there's been quite a few disappointing players for Newcastle. Finally, uh, before we wrap up, we'll each give a brief uh, preview of our midweek games. We'll start with you, Ollie. Uh, you've got a trip to Preston North End. How are you feeling about that one? And have you got a score prediction? I th- I'm really glad we've got a game on Tuesday, actually. it's uh, It would have been a long week otherwise of just feeling really grumpy. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we don't double down. <laughs> and hopefully it it's just gets that out of the system quickly. Any sort of result will be fine. But um, I... You know, I mean, it's 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 hard when you when you you know you're a club who have you know expectations and ambitions where you 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 can't help yourself. You look at certain fixtures and you go, "Oh, we should win this one." And and I know there was a vibe around the ground at Oakwell yesterday. Oh, we should win. We should win here. Um, so I think there'll have to be changes to the team after what happened yesterday. There's no way he could. Well, I mean, Ben, I think, was injured anyway. Hendrick was certainly injured. So there'll, there'll have to be enforced changes. I think there would have been changes anyway. Um, I expect Martin to start up front instead of Ben. 
Uh, I expect Johnny Russell to come into the team uh, who hasn't started yet, uh, but looked pretty bright when he came on as a sub. Uh, uh, so it's certainly a case of sort of back to the drawing board, really, for, for Nigel Pearson. Um, I expect changes. I'm, uh, we're still sort of, you know, sussing out w- w- how he's going to address it. Um, he's obviously come in and, you know, decided he's going to start with the four four one one. Will he stick with that? Will he not? Um, I've got a feeling he probably will, but uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to sort of, you know, shuffle the personnel a bit and, and find an eleven that works. So I'll I'll, I'll go for a one nil, one nil derby. Um, horrible, nasty, scrappy, miserable game, but just just you know win, uh, and that's all that matters really, and get this season started. Yeah, next up we'll come to you, Thomas. Uh, Wolves have got a home game against Ipswich. Uh, how are you feeling about this one, and do you think uh, you're going to win? Well, I feel optimistic after Saturday because we wiped the floor with a, a Reading team who just didn't look at the races. Um, so off the back of that, I, I feel confident. But then it's Mick McCarthy rolling into town, um, a manager we know well, of course. And we know how Mick McCarthy likes to set his teams up. And I expect what you would expect from Ipswich on, on Tuesday, which is to come and dig in, be very compact, very difficult to beat. Um, and that's kind of how we played against Reading. Um, but we, we were very effective with the ball as well. So we're going to be fighting fire with fire. Um, I think I don't think it's going to be a game for the purists. <laughs> but I, I think we've got enough to, to stand toe-to-toe with them. Whether or not we, we've got enough to to beat them and win, it almost seems too good to be true at the moment because we've sort of got this this mixed bag of a team um, that can, we can be consistent and keep winning. But I I think I'll probably sit on the fence and probably go for a, a one all, which wouldn't be a bad result. I'd have taken that if you'd asked me at the start of the season. Five points from the first three league games, undefeated, um, and and as I say, every result in this first month is a bonus for me because I think my hope is that it'll be when the transfer window closes, we might go right up to the wire with building our squad and then we'll see where we are at the start of September and whether we've got the personnel in the squad to be able to to do more than just to be competitive, you know, to get up and challenge some of those, some of those really established teams. Yeah, and just moving on to you now for your match preview. Uh, Brighton host Rotherham this week. Uh, how confident are you about the fixture and how, how do you see that going down? Uh, that's the sort of game where if we want to go up, uh, we, we've got to win it, basically. It's a, a must-win game against a team that, as as everyone has basically suggested, are going to struggle this season. It's the sort of game in the past where we we would be likely to, to mess it up, but I think the sort of the ruthless streak we developed, particularly after Knockout signed in January, we should, well, yeah, we should be winning a game like that. And if we do, that's uh, seven points on the game. Win at home, draw away. That's all you got to do to get out of this league. And hopefully, uh, having learned our lesson last time around, where we basically with batter teams, but not get enough goals on the board, missed countless chances. And at the end of the day, we were two goals away from promotion. If we can, at risk of standing cocky and a little bit confident hopefully it could be a game to boost the goal difference I know I said that we'll probably lose 1-0 yeah we'll just uh, I'll just preview Newcastle's game now um, we've got a home game against Reading and after hearing what Thomas said about them earlier I'm more confident than I was <laughs> before we start 
podcast. So I'm hoping that we can uh, get a win there. I think Musa Sissoko is likely to play a part, uh, even if he doesn't really want to play for us anymore. I think uh, Benitez has get, given him an opportunity to try and find a move and he hasn't found one. So I think he's going to be back in, whether it's going to be from the start or from the bench, I'm not sure. I think Richie will be back in from the start. And I, I hope it's going to be a more balanced Newcastle side. And I, I think, you know, we've lost our first two now and hopefully it's, it's, it's hit home how tough this league is and they're going to step up and be counted because um, we have some very good players. Uh, obviously, we're missing Mitrovic up front and we're lis- missing that physical presence, which is disappointing um, because I think he would have really helped in both of our games so far. But I think I think we're going to get a win. I think we're going to finally kick off our, our, our campaign with a win. And I think uh, people are going to I think it, we're going to start um, putting a string of results together. I, I mean, everyone's going to lose two games uh, on the spin at some point during the season. It's just happened to us very early, and I'm hoping it doesn't happen um, too many more times as the season progresses, because obviously that's it's quite a damaging thing for for a team to lose two on the spin. And if it gets any worse than that, then I'm going to start to worry a lot more. But I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be not going to be a great game. I think it's going to be scrappy. I think we're going to struggle to break Reading down, but I think we're going to nick a goal and I think we're going to win it 1-0. So I'll go 1-0 and then we can take that into the Bristol City game next weekend. So yeah, I'll go 1-0. And with that, we are now out of time. So thanks so much for coming on today, guys. If you'd just like to tell people where they can reach you or any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. All right, thanks. Um, cheers for asking me to take part. And uh, yeah, it's uh, at Derby County blog on Twitter. Or the full website is just www.derbycountyblog.com. Yeah, so check out uh, wearebrighton.com is our website, which is full of uh, quite a lot of Brighton Albion nonsense as well as stuff to do the championship. We're on Facebook, that's We Are Brighton, and the Twitter feed is at We Are Brighton as well. The place to reach me is on uh, wolvesblog.com. Very easy to remember that one. And you can tweet me at wolvesblog. Again, very easy to remember. Uh, I run that account. I've got my own Twitter account, but I won't explain that because I've got a very complicated surname to spell. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm doing the editing of uh, Wolves blogs. So there's plenty of content there, so come and check us out. And when we're playing your team, let's let's have some debate and uh, look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, you can get me uh, on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. And uh, I write for loads of sites. I write for EPL Index, uh, The Boot Room, Newcastle 360, uh, Total Dutch Football. Literally, all I do is uh, write. So if you follow me over there, I'll plug anything that I do. And thanks so much for tuning into the Championship Roundtable this week, guys. If you want to uh, reach us at the show, you can do so by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. And we hope you're joining us again soon. <laughs>